Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this part of the service. So good to see everyone here, and, and uh, it's for us as a family, I guess, it's so good to be here, um, for all of us to be here. I think it's, it's over a month since all of us were here together, so of course for some of you older folks, you think, well, just get used to it, I suppose. But <laughs> This morning I'd like to speak on the... Uh, on the offense of the cross. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, what, 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 is, what is that? Uh, most of us, having grown up in Christian homes, are, are, we're familiar with the term. We know what a cross is. Um, and we, you know, we see them on churches. We see them on signs. Uh, we we pin them to the lapels of our suit coats, or we wear them around our necks, or um, we have pictures in our homes that have a cross on them, and 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 we 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 we're just used to seeing crosses. And so, <clears throat> for some of us, it it the the offense of a cross might not be as as much of an offense as it as it as we as we might think that it is i'm not sure how long it's been that i began to to notice or i began to to realize that there was a there is a barrier maybe if you will in in an unbeliever that is is coming to Christ there is a there is an offense that needs to be um, or a barrier that needs to be crossed in order for that person to receive Christ and so as I began to become more aware of this I I began to see that well scripture actually speaks about this um, and so this morning, I would like to I would like to explore that a bit, and I would like to uh, if if you have not yet been to the cross, I would like to in this message I would like to invite you to come to the cross. If you have been there, I would like to exhort you to or to challenge you in in how that we relate to people who have not yet been there to start with i'd like to look at galatians chapter 5 and in this chapter it's a familiar passage it is paul is not necessarily speaking about this topic on the offense of the cross but I, I thought it would be good for us to, to read um, a portion of it. I want to read to verse 14, Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. 
You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, in, in this portion, we, we, we get a glimpse of what Paul's talking about here to the, to the Galatians. Uh, if, if you remember Galatians, Paul wrote to the Galatians because there had been some Judaizers coming and saying that, no, it's not enough to just accept Christ by faith. You also need to become circumcised. So Paul's saying here that those of you who are saying that, you, ha- you have... You, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Verse 8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren... If I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we get a glimpse here in verse 11. Of, of the offense of the cross. <clears throat> like I mentioned, Paul's not, that's not necessarily his topic, but I wanted to read this whole passage because we'll look at it a little later then. But we began to, if we, if we think about what Paul is writing about here, we began to get a glimpse of the offense of the cross. Because these people, they, they, were, they were wanting to do something extra in order to to achieve their their salvation and so paul says in verse 11 he says brethren if i still preach circumcision then why do i suffer persecution so he's saying this 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 circumcision that's not something that i have taught that's not what i taught you when i was here the first time and and we can see in this passage that he is Paul is, it was probably a good thing he didn't meet these teachers. He is adamant, who, who are these people that are teaching you a false doctrine? You have fallen from grace. So he says, why do I still suffer persecution? And he goes on, if then the offense of the cross has ceased. He's saying, if I would preach circumcision, then there is no offense to the cross. The Greek word for offense, if I can say it, is skandilzo, and it, it carries with it the idea to entrap or to trip up or stumble or to entice to sin, apostasy or displeasure. So it, it carries with it the idea that, that we are actually actively 
trying to trip. There, there's a, there's a, it's an offense. So if we think about that word used in, in sports, if we, are, if we are on the offensive, we are trying to uh, score a goal. If you are being defensive, then you are trying to keep the opposing team from scoring a goal. And military terms would use that as well. If you are on the offensive, you are, you are actively seeking to, to maybe go into enemy territory or to take out an enemy. <coughs> so as I, as I began to prepare for this, I was originally, it, what, was, what was going through my mind is, is, is how that the culture we live in and, and how that we are living in a postmodern culture um, where, where truth is relative and how does that affect the gospel um, in, in relations to this, to this topic. But I didn't get very far in my studies. I began to see that, well, the offense of the cross is much bigger it is a much deeper problem than just simply the culture we live in today. It, it is, a, it is a, an offense that is, is transcultural or it is, it is something that all people at all times will have to face at, at some time. In fact, even Jesus asked his disciples in John chapter 6, he had been teaching that he is the bread of life and that only through him and that if we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, becoming a part, becoming in him, that he is the only way. And, and many, of, many of the crowd left and he asked his disciples because of that, in verse 60, John chapter 6, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And so Jesus says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? And so even at that time, there was, there, there is a, there is a, some of those people walked away. They were offended by the fact that Jesus is saying that I am the bread of life and that I am the only way. <clears throat> so this, this offense of the cross is, is something that is, is a... It, it is a part of... of the gospel, or a part of sharing the gospel, it is, as I said, it is much bigger than than our postmodern culture. And so, because of that, I'd like to I'd like to briefly um, just refresh us of what the gospel is. And I'm I'm drawing back onto many of you would probably remember the message I had on on a, a titled a ransom for many, and I spoke of how that Jesus was a, a ransom for us, uh, and, and we, we base that off of the, the two kingdoms. We have a, the kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of this world, which Satan is the ruler of, and, and how that we are 
by our sin nature and by the own choices we make, we are a part, we are in bondage to the kingdom of this world. And, and how that Jesus became a ransom for us. He, he left the kingdom of God and became sin for us and entered into Satan's dominion and became subject to him in order that we might go free. However, Satan had the power over Satan and the power over death. He rose again from the dead and took captivity captive. So if we can, if we can, I, I have a little bit of a, a diagram here that helped my mind to understand some of this and, and it helped me to understand how that we need to meet Jesus at the cross. There is only one place that we can meet, that we can, that we can move from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of his dear son. And so as I, as I was thinking of this, how that Jesus came from the kingdom of God, he left that and went into the kingdom of darkness in order that we might come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so there's only one place that we can meet, and that's at the cross where we meet Jesus. The cross is where God meets a sinful man. So, then, the question is, well, if, why is, why is this so offensive? What is, what's so offensive about this? If Jesus is, is our Savior, and He is the way that we, be, that we can be set free from the powers of darkness, what, what is the offense that Paul is talking about? First of all, I'd like for us to understand that when we are in the kingdom of darkness, before we are born again, we are in a state of deception. Satan has deceived us into thinking that we can be our own source of life, that we do not need any outside or any, any other intervention into our lives. We, we are, in essence, our own gods, little g-gods. We, 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 we are in control of our own little dominions, and, and we don't realize how, how much really we are in control under Satan. And so... The definition of deception is to cause to accept as true or valid what is in fact false or invalid. And one way for me to understand that is if, if you are deceived, many times peop, you, you do not know it. It's as if you're sleeping and you wake up and realize that you had been sleeping. But see, now you are no longer sleeping, so you are no longer deceived. <clears throat> and so, a 
an, an example of, of, of how that deception plays into the, the offense. Well, let me give you, I have five reasons why that the cross is offensive, and there, there might be more. But the, the first one is just the, the very idea or the suggestion that we need someone to intervene. That, that is offensive to us. And, and to give you an illustration of that, I hear a number of years ago, uh, a man I know, him and his, him and his wife had been, had been traveling, and if I remember right, they had been in the, one of the Carolinas. And on the way back, they at one point made a wrong exit. And I forget how far exactly, but they drove for a couple hours the wrong direction and ended up, if I remember correctly, up towards D.C. or somewhere on the East Coast there. And they were wanting to come back here to Indiana. Now, that, that's a little humorous, I think, that somebody would drive that far. And, but... Suppose then that after they've taken the wrong exit and they're driving for an hour and suppose somehow I would find this out and I would call him and I would say, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm I'm driving home to Indiana. Here I go. I said, well, you're going the wrong way. Well, think about this. If you were that person, what would be your first initial response. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Whatever. But, very likely, through some logical conversation, he would learn that he is indeed going the wrong way. But that is the sa- that's the offense that we, as we become aware of our, of our inadequacy or our deception... There is an offense that I cannot control everything myself. I do, in fact, need to have a Savior or someone to intervene for me. This is offensive. We, God has created us in, in His image. And we are, in fact, fairly intelligent creatures. We have our own wills. The truth is, we are intelligent creatures that have gone horribly wrong. And so we are in bondage, whether we realize it, whether we're woke up yet or not. Second thing is, the idea that the cross is the only way is offensive. And, and this, this probably, this reason probably plays, or is probably one of the reasons why postmodernism is, is, would find the cross offensive. Because postmodernism, one of, the, one of the aspects of that is that truth is relevant. And so we have maybe a hundred or so people in here, and, and all of us, the experience that I have on life, that is truth for me. And so it's not necessarily, the the same thing is not necessarily true for you. And so for someone to say that there is only one way to Jesus, and that's through the cross, 
that, that is offensive by its very nature. In, in most of our bigger universities, and so to, to, to teach or to say that there is an absolute truth, and unless you know this absolute truth, then you are eternally damned, that is extremely offensive. This might also touch a little bit on what the Apostle Paul is writing about there in, here in Galatians. Um, these, these people were having a hard time accepting that, that they can believe on Jesus through faith, and that is the only way. That is, that is everything. If you add something to it, you've actually now taken away from it. Thirdly, a cross, by its very nature, speaks of condemnation. As I mentioned at the beginning, most of us, we, we're kind of used to seeing crosses, and so, but we don't see them in the way that these first century Christians thought of a cross. Suppose that we would exchange that today with maybe, uh, maybe electric chair or... Um, Gallows might still be used in some, some places. That would be a little bit more relevant to us. So when you, when you think, of if, if you were a, a first century Christian, most likely you had seen someone at some point headed out of town carrying their cross. And there was, the assumption would go with that, that that person had been condemned of a crime or of something. There was condemnation. By its very nature, the cross speaks of condemnation. And if we think about, if we think about the thief on the cross, that's, that's, where, that's where he met Jesus. It wasn't until he, he was condemned on the cross that he was willing to recognize that he does, in fact, need Jesus. The fourth thing, the cross represents death. If so if you saw this prisoner, you knew that he was condemned. He, he had been, he had been uh, judged guilty of some crime. He was going to die. You don't carry a cross out of town and come back to tell about it. And so this, this idea that there needs to be death, is, this is offensive. We, we struggle with that. How, how does... How does what what how does this work that there is life through death? <clears throat> and yet Jesus does ask us to take up our cross and follow him. <clears throat> Romans six speaks of that. <clears throat> Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? There has to be a death in us before we can experience the life. Verse 4 there in chapter 6, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also. So before we can be raised with Christ in, in a new life, 
there has to be a, a death. The fifth thing is that the cross represents blood. There was going to be bloodshed if, if, you, if you were hung on a cross. <clears throat> Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no remission for sins. And without the shedding of blood, there is no... The, the shedding of Jesus' blood is, is the... It represents or it is proof that Jesus has, in fact, paid the ransom for us. Remember how the Israelites, they were supposed to kill a lamb and to sprinkle the blood on their, on their doorposts. And that way, when the angel of death came, he would pass over that house. So if we have been washed in the blood, if, if the blood has covered us, there is no more condemnation. And so there has to be bloodshed in order for us to, to move from one kingdom into the other kingdom. <clears throat> I'd like to, in, for, in, in closing, I'd like to look a little bit at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 8, and then also some in Matthew. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 8. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, and he, he quotes here from uh, Psalms, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were to which they also were appointed. If you have been to the cross, Jesus is no longer the cross is no longer an offense to you. Jesus is precious to you. Paul says in Galatians that he has called us to liberty, that we are no longer under condemnation, that we have been set free. <clears throat> Satan no longer has any legal rights to us. However, if we are still offended by the cross, it is an instrument of condemnation. This chief cornerstone will crush us for that, I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 21, and I don't have it on the PowerPoint. I think I'd like to read a little more of that. You can turn there if you want. <coughs> Jesus says here in verses 42 and 44, he's speaking after a parable here. I'd like to read that parable of the, of the landowner, and I'd, I'd like for us to, to consider where we are at. Where have we been to the cross? If we have been to the cross, have we accepted the cross as the only way, or are we still as the Galatians? We're still trying to add things to it. Starting verse 33 of Matthew 22, hear another parable. 
There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive his fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to him. Then last of all, he sent his own son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their seasons. Then Jesus says to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doings, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. He's, he quotes that same verse in, in Isaiah that, that Peter had quoted. And he says, if you reject this chief cornerstone... That will be your damnation. <clears throat> I would like to, in closing, I would like to invite each of us to, to examine our hearts, to... Um, first of all, to just examine our hearts and see where, where we have been at with the cross. If we have not been to the cross, I would like to invite you to, to, to do that. If you have been to the cross... I would like to invite you to, to consider how we relate to those that have not been. Let us consider carefully how we present the gospel so that I personally don't become an offense. So that the way that I call my brother that's going the wrong direction, the way I present that truth to him, that that is not the cause of stumbling for him. Because... The, the cross, the gospel itself, is, is, is difficult for someone to... That's, there's an offense that comes with that that we don't want to add to. Let's pause for prayer, and then I'll let you close, James. Father, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you, Father, that you have provided a way, Lord, to, for us to know you. Father, I pray this morning that 
each, each of us here, that we would be willing to surrender our hearts, our lives to you, to meet you at the cross, Father. Father, I pray that, that we would be, that we could follow after you, that we could know you, that, we could, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would empower us, Father, to, to, to meet you there. You would plant a desire in our hearts, Father, to know you. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word to us. Just pray as we go from here, Father, that the people we interact with, that we could love them, show them how you have loved us, present your truth, Father, in a way that is, is gentle and kind. And recognize, Father, that there is a struggle that will need to be overcome. Just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.